Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Field by Weird podcast, the only podcast that is Kenuff. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with writer Dirk Manning. Dirk, how's it going, man? Good. I hope I prove to be Kenuff for this interview. <laughs> I'm sure you will. All right. So um, usually when I'm meeting someone for the first time, I like to throw in an icebreaker question just to kind of get to know each other a little bit better. So icebreaker question for today is, why did your parents give you your name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a complicated question. Uh, there's several ways I could go with that. Um, okay. I'm going to go being a, a horror writer and a person that likes to dabble a little bit of mystery and intrigue. I will, uh, I will just say this. Okay. Um, I don't have the name I was born with because I was, okay. half, because I was half adopted. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's i was gonna leave a little mystery in it right that's <laughs> that's a good story um both of those statements are true that's not a that's not a joke that's not a rib that's cool um my story is not as cool um my parents didn't know what to name me they ended up going to a vampire movie starring the late great christopher lee yes uh, they decided that's a great name so they just took his entire name and that is my first and middle name and then they just threw on my last name oh so that's cool what a that's cool funny. person to be named after <laughs> right yeah. and most most times when i tell people i'm named after christopher lee they're like oh you're named christopher after him that's cool i'm like no no, no you don't understand his entire name is is my name my name right <laughs> so yeah, yeah. well you know with the the name dirk manning it's like i could either Speaking of vampires, it's funny. I could, I only had like three paths with his name. I could have been a used car salesman. Okay. You know. Like, yeah, yeah come that. to Dirk Manning's Autos and get the newest, <laughs> latest, and greatest, whatever the cars are, but I don't really can't say anything else about it because I don't know much about cars. Yeah, same. <laughs> I could have been a comic writer, which... But my third option was actually, uh, I could have been a vampire hunter. Ah, that works too. Right, right, but like those are like the only paths ahead of you when you when your name is Dirk Manning. So I really I think you could actually you could take the car salesman and actually kind of turn that into any kind of salesman. Like, come to Dirk yeah. Manning's house of, um, I lost my train of thought. Ice cream, house of, whatever. House of mattresses. <laughs> right. Well, you know, <laughs> writing, writing, uh, writing comics is. Uh, especially writing mainly creator-owned comics, which is what I do and, and being on the road so much at conventions, there's a certain amount of, um, there's a certain amount of sales to it. That's uh, true. It, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, and you're on the road and, you know, you're really such a good, you know, salesman or whatever. But to me, I, I don't view it that way. It's more like, I'm just passionate about my work. I'm going to tell you about it. And if you like it, cool. And if you don't, I never hard to sell anybody, right? It's like, yeah. look at my table. I write mainly horror stuff. Yeah, that's what I write. <laughs> one look at my table, one look at my banner with like that guy at the top of the scarf, right? Like Jackie's yeah, like a lot, like, look like a Las Vegas magician or something, right? <laughs> you know, but um, you will know pretty quick. This is something that might be up my alley, or oh yeah, this is. I'm not a horror person. This isn't for me. And that, yeah, cool. You know, no, no problem. You know, so. It, yeah, it's interesting and, how they, and then I've written about vampires, so it all kind of weaves together yeah. in an interesting way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good thing, you know, to kind of get up and sell yourself because we were talking with um, another creator recently, where basically he said you have to be your own cheerleader because if if you aren't a fan of you, then no one else is going to be a fan of you. So really, like, unless you tell people like, "Hey, come look how awesome I am," they're really not going to know. Yeah, yeah, I um people that maybe only know me publicly may find this hard to believe. I'm a very introverted person. <laughs> I am. Seriously. That. You know, I sit here and I, I can talk with you and I'm, and I'm on the road and I'll do karaoke and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But, but truth be told, I am extremely introverted. You know, I'm like, you can see in my office here, it's like all my stuff is in here. I close the door. I sit at the keyboard. I write, I put the book out. Um, so when I first started doing conventions very early in my career, um, it was difficult because I would be sitting at the table. I'd have some really cool stuff out there like Nightmare World. 
which I knew was of high quality, right? I mean, I, it just Nightmare World's never green book, it, it, it very high quality, but people weren't really stopping and, and looking. And, and, I, and I was at a convention with Josh Ross, who's one of my most frequent artistic collaborators, one of my best friends in, in the industry and otherwise. And um, I remember sitting there and watching all these people walk by and walk by and walk by. And I finally looked over at him and I said, no one will sell our babies or no, no one will love our babies like we will. I turned and I stood up and as people came, you know, walk by the table, I just said, hey, how's it going? You know, and just started engaging with people more. And that's like my biggest pitch is if someone happens to stop by and kind of slow down to like, look, you know, they're kind of like doing the walk and like, look, hey, how's it going? If anything looks interesting, feel free to check it out. And that's it. Then from there, if they want to know about Tales of Mystery, they want to know about Cthulhu Jr., they want to know about Hope, or I, I tell them about it, but that's it. And it that moment really changed the trajectory of it because you're right, you do need to be confident in what you're doing. But then the flip side of that, of course, you don't want to be a carnival barker either. You know, right. um, that stuff, being a carnival barker, being a hard seller gets you one sale taking the time to engage with someone that's interested in your work and tell them about it can get you potentially a, a lifetime reader, a lifetime, uh, I don't like to use the word fan per se, but someone that's invested in your work. You can make friends that way. You can make, you know, peers that way. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crucial to be able to, to, to have confidence in yourself to, to know what you're offering is solid, but then also know, have the confidence to know, this may not be for that person. And that's not yeah. indicative of the value of the work either. Right. You have to kind of find that happy medium. You do. You do. There, there's people that have come by my table and just said, oh, you know, I, I don't like anything horror. I'm like, if you're totally horror adverse, there's probably not much here for you. I said, you're welcome to look around, but I'm going to say mainly what I dabble in is horror. Be like, oh, they're like taken aback. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I write mainly horror. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? I, I don't want anything here. Like I write mainly write horror stuff. If you don't like horror, I mean that's okay. I mean I write good. I'll tell. I write very good horror. I don't write blood and boobies horror. I don't write torture porn. I write stuff that's like Twilight Zone or Tales in the Crypt. Like oh, I do kind of like that stuff. Like, oh well, let me show you Nightmare. Let me show you Tales of Mystery. Let me show you you know, you know, love stories to die for. You know, let's we can then start having that conversation. So, uh, yeah, knowing your work, being confident in your work, but also being confident enough to know that someone buying your work or not is not necessarily indicative, always indicative of value or even right. quality is is important. Yeah, and definitely building that connection with someone more than just, hey, come look at my stuff. You need to actually try to make that connection because once you make that connection, like you said, you've, you've got a, a fan for life. Yeah, P people don't remember what you offer as much as how much you make them feel. Yeah. You know, I agree. and that's the thing. When I go set up at a show, even if I'm a guest of the show, I've got a free table, I got my hotel paid for and everything else, I'm still investing time, right? Yeah. So my investment is made when I walked in the door. My job is obviously to maximize my investment, whether it be making the money back I've spent on the table and things like that, or, or what have you. But to me, that's the cost of doing business, right? I'm not a person that says, I got to make this money. I got to make my money back. I got to make my time. No, it's like, this is for me to find out if this is a town or if this is a convention or this is a scene or a part of the country or whatever, that there's people that come here that will support, that are interested in supporting what I do. You know, there's some towns I've gone to, it's like being in a band, right? I mean, there's some towns I've gone to a couple times that it just doesn't click. I just, for whatever reason, the venues I'm going to, the conventions don't pull in what I need. Um, yeah. And that's even in bigger towns. Then there's some small towns I'll go to and I'll just crush it every time. So it's know, like a it's feeling. All, it's, all, it's all part of that process. It, it's this is a it's a comic book business, and when you work in it professionally, that's something you got to keep in mind. Um, and and again, there's just a million million factors in that which i talk all about in the new new book coming out soon <laughs> we <laughs> were actually you know, listening it's right or wrong the writer's guide to creating comics the new second edition will be out this fall that's awesome you brought that up because actually i i had a point to bring that up later so perfect um so for the idea for field by weird is basically anything that anyone's into whether 
or not it's quote unquote nerdy is kind of what makes you who you are, your interests, your hobbies, all of that stuff. That's what what feels your weird. So what is it exactly that feels your weird? <laughs> hours. Um I um my main interests are horror, comic books, heavy metal, professional wrestling, and ice cream. Like that, that 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 is how you 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 make a dark manic. That is the thing that fuels me. That's the things that 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 I really enjoy that I'm exceptionally passionate about. Um, you know, and I could go down a rabbit hole on any one of those, but I would say it, it, it's interesting, as much as I love comics, I'm in a room full of graphic novels right now. My 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 writing career is dedicated to to comic books. But at the end of the day as much as I love comics and I, and I love comics a lot, I'm equally as much a, a horror guy. I love, I love good horror. I love to me, horror, I think is the, the genre of storytelling that in many ways best addresses the human condition. And other people may say different things. That's fine. That's their, their opinion. But to me, a good horror story answers the question, what would you do if, and to me, I mean, my traumatic life I've had or whatever, you know, unresolved issues, you know, some people will say, why can't it be a love story or whatever? But to me, it's like when the, when the, the cards are down, what do you do if, to me, that makes a fascinating story. And that oftentimes to me leads me down that genre of horror, you know, when, when you have extreme situations and what do you do in them? So uh, that, that, those are definitely things that fuel my geek more than anything, any one of those five things. Yeah, and I can definitely relate with a lot of those, actually, especially uh, all of them, but horror, because I'm a huge pro wrestling guy, big time, oh, um, <laughs> and heavy metal, too. And, of course, ice cream and comic books, of course. Um, but I'm we with you. Gotta, we just got to get you to the right horror, perhaps. Then we'll that, and see, <laughs> I would, yeah, exactly. And my wife's a big horror fan, so that kind of creates some interesting situations in my house. But sure. There are certain horrors I will make exception for, like what you said, what would you do if? And so like the Saw movies mm -hmm. and people can say they're good, they're bad, whatever. I enjoy them because of the fact of, like you said, it's a what would you do if? Because they yeah. kind of put you in a weird situation where, you know, how do I get out of this? I mean, I've been told how I can get out of this and will mm -hmm. I will I do what's necessary to get out of this and it kind of does put you in that position to you know what would you do if you're presented with this so just the fact that i mean it and those movies are you know they could be pretty gross too um, sure, sure but that's you know that's just horror but the the more important thing is it kind of puts you in that situation that you know it tries to say you know what would you do if you were presented with this issue that you can't get out of or that you like how far will you go to to protect yourself something kind of like that yeah, and the first Saw movie it uh, gets kind of uh, put a lot of baggage on it because it did arguably help kickstart that subgenre of like torture porn or whatever. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll go to bat for the first Saw movie, especially any day of the week for that very reason. It's a morality yeah. play. Right? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of good horror, even you look at stuff like The Walking Dead, the best bits of The Walking Dead are those, whether it be the comic or the TV show, are those morality play issues, right? What do you do if, you know, it's like, what do you do if you're, you and your friend are running from a swarm of zombies or a horde of zombies and one of you falls and sprains your ankle? What do you do? So, yeah. for example, what do you do? A, a lot of, a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of the best horror, in my opinion, addresses those, those very questions. You know, uh, someone I know recently watched The Ring for the first time. And oh, like, dude, man. the ring. It goes like, right, when you get the curse, right? Yeah. You pass it on. What do you do? <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I can totally, totally relate to that, you know? And uh, to me, what really got me into horror was the Twilight Zone. Okay. I love the original Twilight Zone series. And it's one of those things where when you go back and watch it, there's so few episodes that are not at least very, very, very good. Yeah. 
you know, or at least not very good, you know. And and to me, it was like you put oftentimes those are set in one room, maybe two people or so. Go put two people in a room and then start to start to turn the knobs on reality a little bit, <laughs> right? You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I could I could geek on on horror all day. I apologize. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, but again, it's just a matter of um, there, there's good and everything. There's there's good stuff. I, I would argue in, in every genre out there, but people just gotta gravitate to, like you said, what fuels your geek, what makes you happy, what 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 brings you joy, and that's that's yeah. what's most important. And just briefly, real quick, I'll touch on another thing with the Saw movies and movies like that, or if it's a movie like that that will actually like make you think, kind of kind of just with how the saw movies kind of tie together spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the saw movies right. i just like kind of how there's like a whole they're all they're all kind of connected in a way which i really really mm -hmm. like so if if you can have that what would you do if along with the kind of just mess with your mind mentally like take the time to actually make you think about stuff that's the kind of horror that i i will make an exception for especially in one one i want to touch on is the strangers the original mm -hmm. one that mm -hmm. one just the fact that they came just because they were home just you were home <laughs> something like that that was horrifying to me and just you know it just takes something little like that just and when you don't try so hard to be a horror movie i think that's where you'll win me over like mm -hmm. a lot of people will go hard in the gore aspect and the the creepy gross aspect but if you go hard on the on the kind of get you in the feels that's where that's where i'll make an exception yeah i i, I think this is a situation where when i when i did the the series nightmare world um one of the things i was doing there is i wanted to explore show demonstrate all the different subgenres of horror right so nightmare yeah. world, there's 52 stories in the whole series each one's written by me drawn by different artists to our team and each story is different subgenre horror but you read them all together they all weave into one big story um but you're right. I mean, there is like subgenres of horror where it's like, what's grosser than gross? Yeah. Okay. I mean, from a practical effects standpoint or whatever, even from just an extreme violent standpoint, you know, okay. I mean, if that's what you want to do, cool. You know, it's like, hey, uh, good job, Serbian film. You're really nasty. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, you don't want to watch that one. <laughs> you know, yeah. but but to me, like you said, it, it's much more interesting to me to explore thematically what would you do if, you know, I mean, one of my all-time yeah. favorite horror movies is um, Let the Right One In, which, okay. uh, again, come back to vampires, right? It's yeah. a story about a kid who becomes friends with this 12-year-old uh, girl who's a vampire. There's an American version called Let Me In, yeah, I think that's I've seen that one. I think yeah, it, it, um, it's fine. The original one, though, the the the, the yeah. European uh, let the right one in. Oh, masterpiece! Uh, to me, it's a masterpiece. But uh, there's not an excessive amount of gore in it. But when there is gore, it's impactful because it just comes out at you. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a graphic novel right now, which I have not announced yet, um, with a very big name in the horror community Ooh. and um one of the things that we're doing with this graphic novel is um leaning into those explosive moments of terror when and you know like and jinji too is actually when I've, I've been joking with in with my with people that i'm finally getting to scratch my jinji two edge jinji two is a uh, uh manga artist yeah one of the best horror comic people on earth period i would put him in the genre of the best horror people horror creators of any content period but he's phenomenal at building 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 explosive moment of terror building 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 explosive moment of terror and that's really crucial because in the comic book you can't control the pace so we take a comic book and go flip right through it yeah. in a movie you control the pace you control what they see when they see it in a comic you can't do that you literally cannot they can pick up the book and just do whatever they want so i've always found i like that in movies too where it's like 
when it comes at you like that and it's it's explosive right it's some people would be the jump scare or that 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 reveal so on this new graphic novel that i'm working on which again i'll be able to talk more about in the near future getting to lean into that idea and looking at film and looking at you know how, how the, the the pacing in, in comics and how you just do like that moment like that how do you get a jump scare in a comic right it's tricky yeah. but when it can be done it can be done extremely effectively and uh you don't need all the gore you don't need all the blood in fact i don't think there's i don't think there's one drop of no there's not there's not one drop of blood in this new graphic novel coming out but hopefully it'll be one of the creepiest scariest things we've ever we've ever written so nice okay well um to move on um because i know you're you're you've got other things going on today um we're, we we all got to do we all got stuff going on. <laughs> so, and, and again and for the record for people out there i want to publicly thank you for being so gracious about scheduling this this is it's taken a minute to put all this together so thank you thank you and oh, thank, yeah. thank behind the scenes as well man because i i I really appreciate it. So yeah, just a quick shout out that hey, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're I, we're very glad that you were, we were able to make it work because I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. So we we got it there. We got it there. And I appreciate your Perfect. grace because deadlines and everything else. So absolutely. All right. Well, um, what was it that got you into wanting to be a writer in the first place? You know, I say, I'll say this to a lot of people and they think I'm joking and I'm only half joking. Being a writer is not a job. It's a curse. Okay. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I would love to like play video games more often or just watch movies and just sit back and enjoy them or I don't know, do stuff that people that aren't always obsessed with sitting down and banging on a keyboard to create, to tell stories do. Um, you know, this is not a, I mean, it is a job and I'm very thankful to have this job and I appreciate having this job, but it's also kind of like inflicted upon you in a way, or at least with me, it's like, it, I, it's just what, what I have to do. I mean, you know, I, I remember the exact moment. I remember exactly where I was, how old I was, I was 12 years old when it was like, this is just going to be what you do the rest of your life. And that was it. And it's never turned off. It's never turned off. It just, whatever gypsy curse, uh, sorry, I don't mean to be a pejorative, uh, whatever like evil magical curse was, was put upon me by someone that, 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 that took me to this lot in life. I'm thankful, but sometimes it's like, man, I just wish I could once in a while, I wish I could turn it off. But then I start writing again and I'm in my happy place. I love writing. I love being able to tell these stories. I love the fact that people support these stories. I love that I can bring these stories out into the world. And uh, it's 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 really, as much as I say, you know, being a writer is not a job, it's a curse. Being able to write and be able to have people support my work and bring my work to people through publishers like SourceCoin Press, through Kickstarter and things like that. And all the other publishers I've worked with over the years. It's a blessing. It really is. Yeah, I can definitely relate, you know, as a wannabe writer myself. I mean, I know that I, uh, same things that you're saying, I'd like to play more video games. I'd like to do more things. A matter of fact, uh, Jackie Daytona here, he always is bugging us about wanting to play video games together. But I'm like, I just, I got so much stuff I have to get written. I just, I just can't. If I, if I play, <laughs> then I have less time to write. And when I do play, I feel bad because I could be doing writing. Um, because I have this fictional story I've been trying to get off the ground forever and I've got two stories in it right now and I just haven't been able to find the time just because you know there's only so many hours in the day you know so it's right right it's definitely and, a struggle and you gotta find that balance right you gotta be able yeah. to reward you know it's like you get something done then you treat yourself whether it be watching a movie or playing a video game or things yeah. like that you know I mean we can't go go all the time you can't keep your pedal to the to the metal non-stop it's not good for your mental health yeah, um, it's not good for your physical health. Finding that balance is is crucial, and that's even something that I had to kind of realize, you know, over the last couple of years too. Is like 
that realigning that balance a little bit to like, you know, get everything done. You know, um, I was going so hard on the road and conventions and things like that, but it's just, you gotta, you gotta find balance, you know? So once you find that balance, everything becomes easier. Everything becomes a little lighter in a way, you know? And, and since I personally took some time to kind of realign things a couple of years ago, I've had some of the best success of my, of my career, which is very telling. And, and part of that was by taking my foot off the pedal just a little, just a little, you know, and realigning a little bit. And uh, it's, that's, that's important too, finding that balance to be able to play the video game once in a while, eat the ice cream cone once in a while, you know, and things like that. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. And yeah, I know I'll try to fit time in to write in weird places. Like I do a lot of writing on my cell phone. And just because mm -hmm, it's convenient, mm -hmm. it's right there. And so a lot of the stuff I write for Geek Network or whatever gets it's more than likely it was written on my phone. So yeah, and, and that, whatever works, you know. Yeah. I, I joke around that if I could still write on a typewriter, I would, but I can't email off of it. That's true. <laughs> you know, but I love yeah. it. I, 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 I got a typewriter right over here in my office. You know, like I wish I could just sit there and bang on that thing. You know, I I, I love it, but yeah, it, it's whatever, whatever gets you there. You yeah, know, whatever gets you there. I think the problem with that though is you know because it's more convenient i try to do more stuff and i'm like oh well, i've got this done so i really needed to work on finding that balance where you know you do x amount of things and then you take a break because you've earned it and i think it's just the part of my brain that tells me hey you're doing this fun thing where you could be working i need to just figure out a way to shut that off because like you said you don't need to be working all the time to me it's about setting a goal rewarding yourself when you meet the goal and then having your next goal lined up you know that's what's crucial but uh that setting those parameters and those boundaries oh my gosh it's like one of those things like if i could go back to myself 20 years ago and like the biggest lesson i could tell myself is like boundaries 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 on yourself boundaries how you interact with the people boundaries between your work and your personal uh, just just uh, just align them and maintain them in a way you know but having that that thing where okay i got this work done now i'm gonna go play insert hip new game here with my <laughs> friend for a while you know or whatever yeah. or watch a movie or read a book for pleasure or take a walk take a nap take a bath whatever <laughs> you want to do you yeah. know so yeah self-care is definitely important yeah, it, 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 it's funny. Again, going back to right or wrong, you know, the new edition coming out from Source Point this fall. That's one of the things I talk about in the book a lot is not about right or wrong is not just about how to write a script. There's all kinds of books out there about how to write a script, you know, and I do touch on it, but it's more about how to actually write, how to set up those systems that that help support you and find the story you want to tell and maintaining that balance and dealing with your day job and what to do when things go sideways and how to connect with artists and things like that. You know, it's writing is a lot more than putting your fingers on the keyboard or your phone or however you're, you're doing it, you know. Yeah. Um, paper and pencil a lot of times i write stuff out on paper first you know yeah uh there, there's a lot more to it than that it's a much bigger process than that for sure so with all of your writing um where do you get your ideas from where do you pull them from i'm a theme guy uh like i mentioned earlier i'm not someone that is so much interested in plot or even developing characters as much as I am talking about themes, talking about different issues, and using the stories I write to, to explore different themes. My all-time favorite series that I write is Tales of Mystery. This is volume five that came out, I think, last year from SourcePoint Press. Uh, the setup on this book, it's about, uh, the setup is hell invades Earth for three days. Monsters, demons, and all that stuff. And after three days, it just stops. And everyone thinks, okay, that's pretty terrible, but you know, it's three days, we made it through, you know, we can, we can move on. Well, Mr. E is a magician who knows there's still monsters and demons left. And that three-day invasion is just the first wave of what's really coming next. 
Now, I kind of told you in a way the plot, but also, you know, really what the book becomes more about is the theme, which is here's a guy who lives in a world or a character who lives in a world where everyone knows monsters and demons are real, but they think they're all gone and mystery knows they're not. And it's about how he interacts with society and how society interacts with him. He's not the crazy person saying monsters are real. And people say, no, there's no such thing as monsters. They're saying, we know there were, but now they're gone. And uh, why can't you adjust to that fact that we're all safe again? And he's like, we're not safe. There's, there's, there's more. There's, 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 that was just the first wave. I love, I love writing this book because there's all kinds of monster hunter books out there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, whether it be Constantine, the goon, Hellboy, Dylan, uh, I mean, the list goes on and, on and on and on. But to me, none of those books ever explored how much that type of work would really impact you psychologically. Okay. I'd make friends with people, knowing that anyone could be a demon and rip your throat at any time, yeah. knowing that. There's constantly forces out there coming to get you, right? Uh, how do you make friends? How do you hold a digit? How do you have a conversation? Years ago, someone said about Tales of Mystery, they said, uh, they said, I know what you're doing with this book. And they go, what do you mean? And they said, I was being coy. I'm like, whatever could you mean? <laughs> you know, and he goes, you're writing a long-form study of post-traumatic stress disorder. I go, <laughs> don't tell anybody right that's ultimately what that. it's about is like mystery is a character yeah he's extremely traumatized and stuff like that that's what the book becomes about is you know managing trauma but it's a story about managing trauma with all kinds of monsters and demons and this huge expanding cast of characters and then you get into fighting monsters and cthulhu and the devil and all this stuff but it's about that impact of what does that do to someone what does that lifestyle do so to me Anything I write, it's about that. Even night, go back to Nightmare World again. You know, I wanted to show all the different themes you could explore through horror. Some are funny, some are scary, some are, some are romantic. Uh, when I did Cthulhu Jr., I wanted to take the Lovecraftian themes of horror, you know, the non-racist ones, and yeah. uh, but but sh but make that all ages accessible. So I did a, a book with Scoot McMahon, you know, um, The Adventures of uh, Cthulhu Jr. and Friends. And it's very much a Lovecraft mythos-inspired book. It's very Lovecrafty. Like, you and I would could read this. We'll laugh at very different stuff than our young readers will. Sure. Right? So it's stuff like that, you know. Um, but to me, it's always about that theme. Um, I know some people like to, like, create characters and write stories about them. Some people, like, have a plot they want to tell all day baby for me that that's where i live that works now you know you said you're a primarily a horror writer and this is the part i'm really kind of excited about since you are such a primarily a horror writer when i found out you wrote not only one but two graphic novels about pro wrestlers yeah <laughs> well not pro wrestlers a pro wrestler and a pro wrestling announcer yeah people in the pro wrestling industry yeah yes thank you um what triggered that switch like what i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty hard turn to go from one to another so what was it exactly that that led to you writing these books you know it's funny uh in the book love stories to die for uh i wrote a pro wrestling horror story you know oh wow okay so, yeah yeah it's kind of like one of the hidden gems um, i'm going to do a re-release on that book with a couple some new content probably next year and uh because one of my favorite standalone books I've ever done. So it's like people are like, oh, you're a pro wrestling fan. I'm like, yeah, read Love Stories the Night Before. I got a story in there with pro wrestling. Nice. Uh, but honestly, with this, uh, Mike Dawkins, a uh, friend of mine, who's kind of known in wrestling circles, the gimmick attorney. He's a real life attorney and he helps wrestlers protect their 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 gimmicks and their trademarks. Okay. He approached me in early 2020 and he's like, hey, how? And he knew my work. Mm. Again, small world. We met through through Scoot, especially. 
Although we turned out we actually met many years prior, but that's another story together. And he goes, how would you feel about writing a graphic novel with uh, Tony Schiavone uh, about his life? And I said to him, I'd be willing to have that conversation. Absolutely. That was not damning with faint praise, but I literally, because when you go to write a graphic novel about someone, but it's actually about them, because like I do Haunted High Hands, Twisted. That's a fictionalized version of Jamie and Paul, right? That's different. I did a book with the Harp Twins. Uh, I did a comic one shot with them. Fictionalized versions of them. That's one thing, right? But when you go to write a graphic novel with someone that is literally based on them as a person, one of two things can happen. One, it can just become a big old vanity project. Or two, it can become a nightmare because you're you're dealing with the minutia and people you know get really involved and want to make sure everything's portrayed just right and oh my nose is too big in that one or oh my ears about you know it's like oh man so when i said i was willing to have that conversation i was willing to because i like mike i like the idea of it and upon meeting so the, the plan was to meet up with tony at c2e2 in chicago 2020. Now, for those of you that have forgotten, that's right when COVID started ramping up and spreading. I also had a pretty uh, unexpected, severe family situation come up that for the first time in my career, I missed C2E2. Uh, and the idea was, okay, well, that's fine. We'll just catch up here in a couple of weeks. We'll meet at the next show and we'll, we'll get stuff together. Then the world shut down. <laughs> right. Right. So we ended up talking on Zoom. I really realized right away that that Tony had an incredible story to tell, and uh, we ended up writing the whole and doing the whole book over Zoom. Oh wow! Yeah, it, and in a way, it's something I think it kept a lot of us sane during Zoom. You know, because uh, you can't go out, you can't do anything. You know, of course, when we the first time we Zoom, we're all professional like this. You know stuff like that and before yeah. you know it pretty soon we're all like in zoom in our pajamas and stuff like just kind of like sitting back all right <laughs> so we're to the point where we're talking about wcw collapsing all right or you get the call from cody rhodes to go to AEW, right you know what mm -hmm. all right so what happened next you know <laughs> unshaven or whatever you yeah so that was really cool so that ended up becoming butts and seats to tony shivani's story which is the highest funded graphic novel I've ever done on Kickstarter. It was the first ever original graphic novel to be advertised in cable television. Uh, thanks to Tony's efforts. Uh, we were number one best-selling book on Amazon for a hot minute there. Really cool. Well, Tony's good friends with Arn Anderson. Yeah. But then Arn kind of reaches out half jokingly and like, hey, how come I don't get a comic book? And I'm like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I I always see myself first and foremost as writer, creator own comics, uh, or co-creator own books like Hope, Cthulhu Jr., Nightmare World, Tales of Mystery, Love Stories, uh, Homestead that's coming up. Those are all co uh, creator owned or co-creator owned by me and the, my artistic partners. Um, so I was actually getting like torn. I'm like, do I want to do this Arn Anderson graphic novel? Like, well, let me talk to him. And I had one conversation with him, and I'm like, I know exactly the way this story needs to be told. I'm either going to micromanage someone else to do it, or I'm just going to do it myself. So I did it myself. <laughs> you know, uh, and Arn is an absolute gentleman. The story in uh, uh, Arn Anderson, My Life is the Enforcer, is just absolutely incredible incredible story uh there's actually something in the graphic novel that he has never ever talked about publicly before ever i think this podcast and the previous kind of kayfabe book he wrote anything like that and i'm so excited for people to see it um working on that book with sean daly uh and colm griffin were two artists uh, that i worked with colm on butts and seats i really wanted to work with him again then getting to work with sean daly for the first time on, on this book has been an incredible experience um but again you know I'm a, I'm a fan of pro wrestling so this is a neat opportunity people have asked me what's the next wrestling book what's the next wrestling book 
I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, um, I've gotten to do this twice, which is two times more than I ever imagined I would. Uh, there's definitely been talks with other personalities about doing some things like that, and that can be really cool. But I also want to write Tales of Mystery Volume 6. I want to get to Hope Volume 3, now that Volume 2 is uh, written. Maybe do a sequel for Cthulhu Jr. You know, uh, the, the other horror book I've got coming out. Holmes, you know, so again, balance. Yeah, sure. There's a time where we went all in and, oh, this one and this one and this one. I would rather than instead pro help maybe if the project comes through me, pro help project manage it. Uh, I did this with um, when I worked with um, uh, Twisted on Haunted Hyons. They wanted to do a book with another one of their artists with Blaze. Rather than write Blaze myself, I picked Rob Humphrey to write it and I kind of project managed it. Austin McKinley to illustrate it, Brian Dream Joe to edit it. Killer book, man. Such a fun one shot. So cool to do. I could have written Blaze, but Rob Humphrey just rocked it, man. Rocked it. Did such a good job, you know. So that's part of the fun, too, is to be in a spot now where I can, as some of these opportunities come up, also delegate it to other writers I know who will do a good job and, and bring a new spin to it. Um, it could be the same thing with wrestling stuff, but getting to do work with Tony Giovanni and Aaron Anderson, I mean, amazing experiences on both of them, you know, uh, really amazing experiences. I'm very grateful to have those. As for what comes next, um, we'll see. Not saying no, not saying <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And yeah, both of, those books, both of those books were so good. I mean, I even remember when the butts and seats thing happened. And I have to mention... That was a nice shout out to LA Knight, by the way. And I know not many people are going to know who that is. Let me talk to him. Yeah, I just, yeah, I yeah. I just had to point that out because that guy doesn't get enough credit. Um, I, love, I love Eli Drake. I mean, wait. Yes, <laughs> Eli Drake. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, who is this LA? Like, you got to go find Eli Drake and you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. understand why LA Knight is so awesome. Uh, um, he, yeah, he, he's becoming, and no pun intended, well, that's not true. I very much mean this pun, the people's champion again. You know, like, it's like, uh, yeah. The name of dummies. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm glad you caught it, right? I, I love to put little things in there. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad you picked up on that one. I, off topic, I am a super huge wrestling fan. I know more about wrestling than most normal people should. So anytime I get a chance to talk about pro wrestling and just nerd out about it, that's, I take every chance I can get. <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this throwback reference, perhaps. Okay. One of my claims to fame in wrestling was I got to watch the Dingo Warrior wrestle live. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, during that little window when the Ultimate Warrior was the Dingo Warrior. And I got to see him, and it was like, what is this? Jacked <laughs> up dude running to the ring, and clothesline, slam, splash, that's leave, cool. gone. I was like. What just happened? I don't think that guy ever stopped moving. Yeah. You're like, and back then you'd have like the one sheets, right? Like, and you get a little program, and I'm like, mm -hmm. Dingo Warrior from Albany, New York. Like, wow, oh, man, that was that was pretty intense. <laughs> you know, so yeah. sorry, little little. No, you're you're good. You're good. I seriously could talk for hours about wrestling, but anyway, so yeah, the butts and seats thing that was an incredible moment in history. Um, the book was great. Learning more about I me, mean, I when I started watching wrestling was probably back in the late nineties. So mm -hmm. that was kind of, Arn was kind of wrapping up right around that time, kind of started sure. to go to more, more lean more toward the enforcer part. So I got to learn a little bit more about him and the book was so good. Um, and actually the butts and seats review that I wrote is, should be online today, I believe. So oh, good. We, can, we can look for that. Um, yeah. Thank you. The, one thing about butts and seats that was so fun was getting to give, you know, two dozen artists work during the pandemic. Which I was going to bring that up. It was cool because every single chapter was a different illustration, which I thought was a really cool idea. Yeah. And then in fact, every chapter header was a different artist too. So yeah. the covers were different. I mean, it was fun. I wanted to have different artists represent different parts of Tony's life. With Arn Anderson, we have two artists. We have uh, Sean Daly doing all the present stuff and then Colm Griffin doing all the, the past stuff. Right. So that same idea. I, but that's something that goes back to my anthology days like Nightmare World. You know, it's like find the right artist for the right story and then combine. And that's how you make a great comic. Yeah. And and the fact that you wrote them 
kind of like you were there talking to them, even though I know you weren't there in person talking to them. I really liked that a lot. That was that was a cool touch. Thank you. Yeah, that was really a fun thing to do with Arn's book is because Arn is so personable and he's so kind and he's such a gentleman and he's such a pro that I wanted people to get that feel from him. You know, in a way, he's almost like like a father or a grandfather, but at the same time, they could like crack you and have like a pixie stick. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, but I, I, I've had few experiences more rewarding than getting to work with Arn and just, just what a gentleman he is and what a, what a bastion of professionalism, just a great, great guy. So cool. well, if you ever get a chance to meet Arn, any wrestling fans out there, meet Arn Anderson. Fantastic. That would be cool. I mean, and Tony too, Tony, you know, growing up in the nineties, Tony was the voice of a generation. So hearing him back on TV now makes, makes 12 year old Chris. So very happy. Yeah. He's like a seven out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So and I just got blocked. (laughs) We, we could talk about wrestling all day, but we'll, we'll keep it going. Um, So you mentioned earlier your book, right or wrong, a writer's guide to creating comics a super successful Kickstarter. Um, how was this Kickstarter compared to other ones you've ran? This one was very different for me because I did a very low key, I called it like all thrills, no frills, or all killer, no filler. Not doing a deluxe hardcover, nothing like that. This was like, let me just get this book out. Um, right or Wrong is, is a book that a lot of people actually know me best for, which is interesting because I, I, I have almost 20 graphic novels out. But then I also got a book on writing that a lot of people know me for that almost sometimes more than my other work. Um, it was interesting to go back for this new second edition and revisit the old book and kind of freshen it up a little bit. The main thing I wanted to do is take out a lot of the outdated references uh, things like updating websites that you can go to and things like that. But also it's like, do we really need to talk about emailing ourselves copies of our scripts anymore? Now that we have cloud storage, right? Right. So I really wanted to keep the essence of the book and the tone of maybe that even more, a little bit more brash and, and direct and hyped up younger Dirk Manning but also then update it in a way that it could be timeless. The original version of this book is still timeless. And that's one of the things like, I always wanted this to be a timeless graphic novel, uh, book, sorry, about graphic novel writing. But at the same time, it's like, geez, you know, there's websites in here that don't work anymore and things like that. Uh, when I originally wrote this, Kickstarter was um, just really starting to kind of blow up and things like that. So going back through, I ended up adding about 25 to 30% updated content to the book. Um, I also talk in the book about the new version of the book. I added a, a forward and an afterward to the book, talking about what was going on with me when I wrote, when I wrote the book, when I put the book together, because the book is based on my old columns from Newsarama. And I talk about it, the afterward of the book, the epilogue, about how I was actually dealing with uh, a major concussion, a major traumatic brain injury, putting this book together. Oh, wow. And it was very crucial for me, very important for me to put this book out because I was, con- I, I was convinced that it was very likely this would be the last thing I'd ever put out in my career. Um, not to go morbid and heavy. But uh, so as a result, looking back, in being able to now talk about all of that and then again offer something to people that want to write you know i always said if i ever got to the point where i could start writing comics that i would do everything i could to help other people and that's what this book is about so getting to revisit this book and put out a new edition that again will hopefully be remain timeless um again websites change technology changes things like that i mean goodness yeah. gracious i even touch on ai I even imagine that would be a thing, you know, under the first one. Right. But 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 putting out a new edition of this book, going back, revisiting it, having multiple editors go over it to clean up different little things in it and things like that, um, was cool. 
I'm looking forward to getting back to running some creator-owned and co-creator-owned uh, Kickstarter campaigns, though, where I can do the deluxe hardcover edition of the book and things like that. Um, that's what's fun for me, to do those parties. You know, how much free stuff can you get? When we do the whole Volume 2 Kickstarter that, that Sally Scott illustrated, how much free stuff are you going to get if you support the book up front? That's, that's, that's where I like to have fun. But Right or Wrong was a really cool campaign to write. Uh, Again, a low-key campaign, very direct. I want to get the book out, head out this fall, and then get back to the Kickstarter parties with Hope, with Homestead. Uh, Lon Chaney, doing, with the Lon Chaney State, doing uh, Chaney Entertainment, doing London After Midnight, the unnamed horror book, Homestead, all that stuff. It's going to be a wild ride. Awesome. I'm very looking forward to it. So you kind of brought it up already, so we're just going to switch into it now what's coming next for you that you're able to talk about next couple of books coming out i think i'm really going to be tilt leaning hard into going directly to the graphic novels again which has always been kind of my forte mm. um, and my preference hope volume two really really excited people to see that home uh, with sally scott homestead is a werewolf western like a native american fused werewolf western with les garner les calls it the best thing i've ever written he may not be wrong. Um, I waited 18 years to do this book. Uh, now getting to work out with Les, Rob Blackhawk, who's a member of the Lakota Nation, who's been a creative consultant for us on this book. Les's art is stunning, stunning on this. Um, doing a re-release of Love Stories to Die For with two brand new full-length stories that were written the first time the book was done, but just never illustrated. Uh, London After Midnight, I'm doing the graphic novel adaptation of London After Midnight, the lost horror film with Ron Chaney of Chaney Entertainment. It's like, what a world awesome. am I living in where I'm working on like this legendary horror franchise. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, so those are the the big ones uh, right now. Um, I really want to get involved with Tales Mystery Volume 6. These, uh, these two, London After Midnight, as well as the Unnamed Horror Project, which is going to be at least just as big as long after midnight i suspect have kind of like pulled me away from that but re is re's tapping on the tapping on the window knocking on the door here i'm really excited to keep going tales of mystery and uh then a couple other things bubbling up we'll go from there i've got two other major projects i want to start working on after that it would be creator owned or co-creator owned go from there people really like cthulhu jr maybe we'll get to do another one of those we have a we have the story but again, balance, right? Finding the time to do everything you want to do and not overwhelm people either, especially if I go to a Kickstarter model where maybe I'm going to be putting out three books a year. Um, and that'll be my other thing is churn and burn on these. Now that the print industry is leveling out and things like that, I want to put out a Kickstarter and have the books in people's hands three months later. That's my goal. That's so good. that's kind of, now that printing is leveled out and things like that, that's, that's, that's really the direction I want to go in moving into 2024 and beyond. Very cool. All right, sir. Well, um, what's a bit of advice you give to people, creatives? I know you've given a bunch of great advice throughout this whole show, but if you were to give a last bit of advice to potential creatives or people who are wanting to be creative, what, what advice would you give? Tell the stories only you can tell. Tell them the way that you want to tell them. There's only one you. That'd be the first one. I'm gonna give you a second one in a moment, but that's crucial. Um, start with your passion. Start with the thing that you really wanna do. What's that? If you only get one shot to tell one story or to make one painting or to write one song or to do one album or whatever it is, run one D&D &D campaign, whatever it is, make it one that you'll be the happiest that you did. That being said, whenever I do a, a panel presentation on writing or things like that, I always like to close it out with three rules to be successful. And I tell people, if you follow these three rules in life, you'll be successful no matter what you do. In the last couple of years, I've evolved them. Every There's three rules, two words each. So it's only six words. I'm going to give you the original version, but then I'm going to tell you now the updated version. Okay. Originally, I would tell people the key to being successful in life is work hard, 
be nice and no excuses. Okay. I still think that's true, but I think the older I've gotten and the more I've experienced, I, I, I've developed a little more nuance on these. So my closing piece of advice I would say to give anybody is, is put this on a post-it note. And that's why there's like six words, right? You can put it on a post-it note. First one is work smart. We talked earlier about that grind, 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 grind mentality and how that can burn you up. That can take you away from who you really are, what you really want to mm -hmm. do. Working hard is crucial, but work smart, right? Pick your battles, focus on what you want to focus on, leverage those opportunities, work smart. The second one, instead of saying, be nice, I've evolved that to be kind. And the reason I've changed that is, I heard a while back, and I, had, I never—I was never able to shake this. Nice people don't have boundaries; kind people do. Now, again, my rules, right? That's how, that's how I spit. That's like so: work smart, and then be kind. Everyone is fighting battles that we don't know about. Things are very, very difficult for a lot of us right now. Be kind. You don't have to be so nice that you're giving yourself away but be kind. So work smart, be kind. Now, the third one used to be no excuses. Now we evolved that too, to give grace. Again, everyone is struggling right now. Give grace to others as much as possible. Give grace to yourself as much as possible. Right? It's very important not to lose our empathy in a day and age of social media, in a day and age of I think more self-aggrandizement than ever before when everyone can have five websites in 10 minutes if they want them. And we become very self-centered. I think we become very self-focused. It's important to have uh, maintain our empathy and, and maintain our grace. Give grace to ourselves, give grace to others. So I guess my closing advice would be work smart, be kind, and give grace. If you do those three things, I remain convinced that you will remain successful, but you'll also remain satisfied. Maybe not content, but satisfied. Work smart, be kind, give grace. It fits on a post-it note. Put it where you sit the most. Practice those three things. And uh, I think you'll find that you'll have a lot of success in what you want to do creatively. That's good advice. I actually just wrote them down. I'm going to put, oh, them, right put up. them on Thank my you. monitor. <laughs> I hope it helps. That, that's, that's, that's the name of the game. Advice. We all help each other out a little bit. We'll, we'll all get a little bit farther ahead. There you go. All right. Well, sir, where can we keep up to date with you? Everything going on with you? Let's give you a chance to plug yourself. Yeah. Uh, DirkMang.com is my website. Um, and I mentioned that because you can sign up for my monthly newsletter there. I send out a newsletter once a month. Um, it's independently owned. It's just me. No one has your email address but me. I send it from my personal email address, so it's not going to get spammed and blown up on a list somewhere. But I always encourage people, sign up for that. I send a newsletter once a month. Shows I'm doing, appearances I'm doing, books coming out, some exclusive previews, things like that. It's a letter. Once a month, I reach out to everyone. It's like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's maybe what you don't see on social media. Uh, I'm also on social media, uh, all social media uh, of repute some of ill repute, at Dirk Manning. Look for the picture I got at the top and the scarf, uh, Facebook, Instagram, threads, God help me, Twitter, X, whatever that is right now. I'm starting, yeah. to, I'm starting to do more stuff with Blue Sky. I'm old, Facebook's still the main one for me. And then doing uh, my friends at Dirk Manning support group on Facebook is a really cool online community that uh, we talk about, you know, horror and comic books and, and heavy metal and, and ice cream and professional wrestling, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, any uh, YouTube at Dirk Manning, any any social media at Dirk Manning, you'll find me there as well. But that newsletter, once a month, first week of every month, I send out a, just a, a, a letter, a newsletter, just, just tell what's going on. I think that's the nicest way to maintain a nice real connection and keep people informed on what's going on. Very cool. All right, so to find us, this interview, all sorts of other reviews, nerd news and everything cool in the world of pop culture you can check us out at geek-network.com 
We are also on social media at GeeksAZ on Twitter and Instagram, Geek Network on Facebook. I am CD is Weird on Instagram. Uh, the music for the show is by Polygon Horizon. It's a great band. You should go check them out on Bandcamp. Uh, the logos for the show are done by my friends Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher, two incredible comic book people that you should go definitely check out. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends. Word of mouth is our friend. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that fuel your weird and always geek responsibly. Dirk, thanks so much for coming today. Thank you, everybody.